This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is another podcast of World Wide Wave, the international LGBT news and current affairs show, every week on Australia's first LGBT radio station, Joy 94.9. Surfing the Globe, bringing you news, views, and current affairs for the LGBT community. This is the World Wide Wave. Yes, it's World Wide Wave time. Joy's international news and current affairs show for and by the LGBTI community. We love taking you around the globe one queer story at a time. I'm Matt, and we are broadcasting live from the lands of the Bunurong people in the Kulin Nation at the Victorian Pride Centre. And our wonderful newsreader, Andrew, has joined me in the studio for tonight's show as well. Good evening, Andrew. Good evening. Uh, the latest display, if World Pride has just concluded in Sydney, it was a month of celebrations of all things queer. But life is not all rainbows, there is evil in our ranks. From emperors to shunned lovers to mass murderers and political leaders, just as there are good gays, there are also bad gays. Some bad gays are easy to find, while others require investigation to get the real story. Researching the stories of these bad gays into a book which is titled Bad Gays, A Homosexual History. Tonight we're joined by the co-authors and queer history enthusiasts Ben Miller and Hugh Lemmy. Here's a taste of what's coming up tonight. The history of homosexuality, especially from the 19th century onwards when it comes to understand itself and, and talk about itself, is actually a history of moral panics that you see these ebbs and flows of moral panics. But one of the consequences of these suppressions of these moral panics is ironically, it spreads the idea of homosexuality as an, as an identity that you can inhabit. We've just had the uh, big pride season and Mardi Gras and everything in Sydney. And uh, I was asked a question by a friend, an, an ally actually, as to, you know, um, talking about should there be commercial floats in pride celebrations? And it's kind of one of those grey questions isn't it because you know you the the events need the commercial sponsors to support them um but there's some people who are you know more on the uh, pure side of a you know should should we should it just be back to a protest the way it was in before mm, sounds like a good idea to me mm, let's get the corporations behind um behind it all LGBTIQ pride has been built on fighting oppression across the years. Our queer trailblazers and their heroic acts of defiance help to create what we see today as a queer identity. But are we overlooking some of the queer crooks, villains and anti-heroes? And how do they add to the story of our collective rainbow identity? Based on their successful podcast series of the same name, Ben Miller and Hugh Lemmy have written a book titled... Bad Gays, A Homosexual History. We asked Ben how the idea came about to investigate and write about the world's baddest gays. Well, it was uh, Hugh's idea originally, and because I'm very smart, when he first came to me with it, I said no. Um, thankfully, he was able to convince me. But um, the idea came from conversations that we were already having as friends and among our friends, and this 
frustration that I think we both had about the gap between the conversations that we were having about queer history, queer politics, the development of queer identities, which seemed to us to be enormously critical and intelligent and extremely sort of unsettled in their concepts of what all of these identities meant, you know, um, and really um, moving the conversation forward, right? And the gap between that and the conversation that we saw reflected in a lot of broader media spaces, which we thought was boring, reactionary, and stupid, and really focused on kind of endlessly re-promoting the same narratives about what gay and lesbian and trans identities are, where they come from, um, this sort of liberal rights born this way narrative that is both boring and wrong, um, and that we thought really needed to be complicated, um, but not in a way that required you to be able to use $5 words to, to understand or to participate in. And so the idea of telling these stories, which are on their face, extremely kind of compelling stories, but then using those stories to kind of also communicate some of these broader um, structural transformations and, and issues is kind of where the whole thing came from. And I'm sure that there were some people that came forward and sort of said, well, you know, we're trying to advance LGBT rights. Um, don't talk about these bad people. You're giving ammunition to people who hate us. Hugh, what would you say to those sorts of comments? Well, I think that presupposes that we're having this conversation for the benefit of straight people, but we're not. Like we, we feel like as as a community that has sort of grown into a um, sort of maturity, let's say, we can afford to have these conversations amongst ourselves for ourselves. We're honest about our own experiences and our own history. And secondly, I really think we can learn so much from the negative as well as the positive. We we don't need to just look back and and try and reclaim some heroes, but we can say actually, how is our identity formation, how has our identity as LGBTQ people be also been influenced by these more negative aspects that we might not be so happy to talk about or we don't want to sort of flag wave for, but are actually just as important as understanding how we came to be. Issues like, for example, masculinism, like the the um the dominance of a sort of maybe like a misogynistic anti-woman aspect within gay male culture has historical precedence. Um, there are people in the past uh, in, in, in our stories that have made that like a, a part of the gay identity. And if we're going to tackle that as a negative aspect, then we need to understand that historical, those historical precedents. So what makes a bad gay? What's the, what's the definition? Well, that's an interesting question because I think between ourselves, as we've done the, as we've done the show and then we've done the book, it's not just, I think, um, gay people who are bad, but also we sort of discuss people who in some ways are maybe bad at being gay, like the complications of like what it is, what, what does it mean to be gay? And uh, how do people change and try and uh, try to inhabit identity in these complicated ways? So we, we come to it with our, with our own politics and our own ethics and things like that. And we're totally unashamed about that. That's, that's how we want to approach the subject because that's how we believe in, in the world that we're shaping. Jokes aside, I think we're interested in bad as a criterion of interest, right? We're interested in what, what's, what's nice about both the word bad and the word gay is that they allow us to be both extremely wide in our scope of what we're looking at and also to be much more precise when necessary. So 
under the umbrella of gay, we can have both someone like Pim Fortan, the sort of godfather of the of the new European far right, who is, you know, a fully actualized gay man in the way that I'm a fully actualized gay man, right? Late 20th century has a gay identity, which he understands the sexual part, not the politics part in similar ways that I do, right? And then also we can talk about the Emperor Hadrian, who is not that, who is living in a completely different sex gender system, which is structured by completely different systems of production and exchange and completely different systems of political power and has a completely different relationship to that political power. And we can talk about him as being somehow gay too, even though when we do so, we're very clear to name the ways in which we are retconning him as gay in order to write a history of the gay present and we should be always careful to note the ways in which this is different because no one should walk away from learning about Hadrian thinking that Hadrian's sexuality was a recognizable contemporary gay sexuality, right? You know, in Hadrian's time, um, sex between men was, you know, older men topping twinks while also being married. And now we call that being a right wing politician, not being gay. Right? Like <laughs> that's a different, it's a different structure, right? And bad too has that same flexibility, right? Sometimes we're talking about people who are fascist dictators and you know lawyers for far right political causes and just total irredeemable scumbags. And sometimes we're talking about someone like Roger Caseman, who's an Irish anti-colonial activist who travels through South America and through the Congo on behalf of the British Empire, uh, documenting all these colonial atrocities. Now he's documenting them on behalf of the British to make the British look comparatively better, which they weren't. But at the same time that he's doing that, he's also keeping a second set of diaries where he's notating every person he's sleeping with, how much he paid and how big their dick was, um, every man, I should say. And then when he starts taking the anti-colonialism stuff seriously enough to go against the British Empire and tries to run guns to Sinn Féin during the Easter Rising, he gets arrested. These diaries are published and he dies, you know, a traitor and in infamy, sort of reputation destroyed. And then we go back and say, well, actually, this is someone that we have a lot of sympathy for and someone that we think is maybe uh, bad in the way that they were remembered, but not someone that we probably um, like quite a bit. That's Ben Miller with Hugh Lemmy, authors of the book Bad Gays, A Homosexual History, with us on Joy 94.9. I'm, I'm quite fascinated because, like, um, in our modern way of thinking, you know, you can there's many out people or people who, who have been outed, so you, I guess, they identify as being gay. But if you're looking back centuries, like, the word gay wasn't there. So just as researchers, this would have been a challenge to find out, well, who's gay and what makes them gay. Yeah, I can imagine it was. I mean, of course, there are um, well-documented um, cases of people being gay. I, it wasn't Shakespeare gay? Well, that it's, he's a, bad. it's a question. It's a, you know, how, is, is it something that you can prove? And, and would would Shakespeare identify as as that? Or, you know, yeah. I think it's something that's always in a within a context and we've kind of got a name for it now, but that name wasn't necessarily there um, in, in past times. But just from that research point of view, it must have been tricky to even decide who, before you even decide if they're bad, you've got to decide if they're gay. Yes. Alexander the Great had a boyfriend, apparently. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, lots more coming up. In fact, we're going to find out how queer history has been suppressed. This is World Wide Wave. Where our diverse communities can come together. Joy. 
Hola a todos. Hello everyone. This is Sergio Tobar Velarde from Mexico City, director of the film Four Moons. And I want to say hello to everyone listening through Joy 94.9. It's all confusing. We're talking bad guys tonight. Uh, we, we put the message out earlier about um, corporate involvement in prides. We've had a few messages coming in. Uh, Jimmy from Mooney Ponds. Hard question. I agree, Jimmy. Uh, it is clear that commercial entities have advanced some of the status of LGV, LGBTIQ people through visibility when participating. How do we ensure it's not just token, though? That's true. There's a real spike of involvement around pride season and then some you know, loss of visibility. I'm happy even if it is just token. If they're doing it, it's great, <laughs> I think. Great, good. Uh, Sam says, I love that my employer gets involved, makes me proud and feels safer at work. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, always got to remember those um, um, uh, employees that get to then march and participate and the employers sort of help put on the float or the costumes or whatever. And even for somebody like Joy, you know, they uh, many people get involved with Joy during Pride season as well. Interesting. Send us your thoughts. Uh, corporate involvement in Pride celebrations, yes or no? Joy 94.9. By highlighting some of the bad guys in history, like Nazi Ernst Rom, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, or mass murderer Jeffrey Dahmer, authors Ben Miller and Hugh Lemmy are not seeking to lay blame on individuals or the time they lived in, but to enrich queer history. In looking at queer, gay history over a long period of time, there is also a history of suppressing homosexuality, where some homosexuals hid their queer life and others where history was changed to remove elements of homosexuality. We asked Hugh if he learned anything from the suppression of gay history. Well, it's, it's quite ironic that, yeah, you're entirely right. Like, I, I, I think... One thing that comes out quite strongly in the book is that the history of homosexuality, especially from the 19th century onwards, when it comes to understand itself and, and talk about itself, is actually a history of moral panics, um, that you see these ebbs and flows of moral panics. But one of the consequences of these suppressions of these moral panics is, ironically, it spreads the idea of homosexuality as an, as an identity that you can inhabit. So the more moral panics there are, the more laws are put in place, the more people go on trial, the more court cases there are, the more they're their cases appear in a newspaper, more people read the newspaper and say, hmm, this, this sounds like something that I'm into, or, you know, I recognize myself in this. Maybe I'll go to one of these bars. So that, that suppression, that moral panic is actually, in, in ironically, a, a thing that um, helps form the identity itself. And, and of course, um, forms within the, within the sexual identity, a sort of political identity, which relates homosexuals towards the state in this sort of in this way that's, again, sort of ebbs and flows of, of a, a res resistance towards the state and the state sort of starts to welcome queerness back in in some ways, and uh, as, as we were sort of seeing in the, in the 2000s, and then perhaps now we're seeing perhaps it pushing pushing back against it. So this history yeah, of, of, of these moral panics and suppressions is actually ironically one of the things that has helped really form and solidify um, the idea of a sort of collective social sexual identity. All right, let's talk about some of the bad gays in your book. There seem to be quite a few examples of apparently homosexual men leading attacks on the queer community. So I'm thinking um, J. Edgar Hoover, um, Nancy Leder Ernstrom. Do you see this as a mechanism to hide their homosexuality or is it something deeper than that? I think it really depends on the instance. Someone like um, Roy Cohn, for example, who was um, the lawyer in the the sort of red baiting witch hunts of the um, 1950s. 
would explicitly uh, reject the idea that he was ever a gay man, even though he was quite open about the fact he was sleeping with men because he didn't want to be part of this social identity because he saw it as allied with both a politics he didn't like and also a personality type that he didn't like. He saw gay men as weak people who had no power and he was power obsessed. So for someone like him, his attacks on on gay men, you know, he was specifically against the idea of gay men becoming teachers was, yes, like an attempt to renounce any idea that he, that he was part of that political and social alliance. Someone like Ernst Rehm is um, a much more complicated figure because he was the first openly homosexual politician um, and he didn't actually renounce or try to hide his homosexuality. What's interesting in him is that he saw his homosexuality as making him in some ways more militaristic, more fascistic than others because he he saw in his masculine identity that he'd adopted the rejection of the, the feminine and the weak, um, specifically because he was gay. But it didn't do him much good because he was obviously executed the same as his allies. So, Jeffrey Dahmer, who has uh, you know certainly shot to worldwide prominence uh, with the various television shows about him. There's been a lot of discussion since that came out about you know glorifying terrible acts. Maybe for you, Ben, what's the line between glorification and education? Well, I think it really. That's a call that you have to make each time in the moment. And it's also a call that I think when you're making it about an entire show project like ours, you have to make sort of over the over the breadth of it. And it's also something that different people could understand differently. So when we decide to do someone like Dahmer, I'll tell you this, none of our episodes do that well. All of our true crime episodes do unbelievably well. If we only did a gay true crime podcast, we would have more listeners and we would make more money. Neither one of us want to do that because we're both, I think, quite critical as we were in the Dahmer episode of this kind of true crime industrial complex of the way that it kind of spreads fear in people, the way that it exploits victims, that it exploits the families of victims, um, that it makes people worried about these kinds of spectacular, but in fact, quite rare kinds of crime and not think about the ways in which most murder and violence in our society is meted out by the very basic systems of power that most of us don't question that often, and which actually freaking out about spectacular crime makes it harder to question because it makes us cling to these myths about the sort of brilliant police detective fighting the brilliant serial killer, as opposed to realizing that the police are a fairly incompetent and extremely corrupt defense force for power as it exists in our society, right? They're not here for you and me. They're here to defend property and money. But that being said, when we then decide to do a story like that, we ask ourselves, what can we add? Is this going to be another hour of talking about Jeffrey Dahmer in the way that everyone else is talking about Jeffrey Dahmer? Or is there something that we think is not in this conversation, some way that we can alter or tweak this conversation that makes it worth doing it? And so in the case of Dahmer, it was that one the story of the brutal and racist incompetence of the Minneapolis Police Department was not out there as much as it should be, right? The fact that there were two Black women who discovered one of his victims, drugged and disoriented, wandering around on the street. Most of Jeffrey Dahmer's victims were Black or people of color. And these two Black women found this kid and um, called the police, and the police delivered the kid back to Dahmer's house. And when they kept calling and protesting and saying, this isn't right. We know this person from the neighborhood. He doesn't, this is not, he shouldn't be like this. The police threatened to arrest them if they didn't stop calling. And this person died. 
And this person, this cop who um, threatened to arrest the woman trying to turn Dahmer in, who delivered Dahmer's victim to him to be slaughtered, and who then makes a radio report about how, oh, it was like icky that I had to go to this gay guy's apartment. Ha ha ha, gay disputes are so gross. This person becomes head of the Milwaukee Police Union. Like this is someone who then retires at the end of his career with a full salary and full pension. And so to be able to tell that story and also the story of how Dahmer became this symbol for fears about and fears of and kind of sick and twisted inner identification of gay men during this AIDS epidemic in the 1990s, that story we thought we could tell and we thought we could tell well. And the story that we told was really that story with Dahmer as the kind of backdrop to it. Now, were we also cashing in on the name Dahmer and on the associations and on the fame? Yes. And I, we can, I'd be happy to take criticism for it. I mean, I could, you could, I could understand someone articulating a point of view that no one should talk about this. It's not what I think. It's a different call that I made. And so for me, it's not a question of glorifying individual people by talking about them. It's a question of whether we are adding something to the conversation that can actually help to deconstruct some of these myths. Speaking from Europe, that's Ben Miller and Hugh Lemmy, authors of the book Bad Gays, with us on Joy 94.9. It is an interesting um, topic around, you know, how much you show of these, you know, terrible events and is it actually glorification? Does it take um, somebody who um, has done horrendous things and give them a profile that they're, you know, they shouldn't really be entitled to? Mm. It's hard to stop somebody like a Netflix from, you know, doing that. But, of course, it doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to say, oh, well, there's a terrible um, gay person, all gay people are terrible. It's just not going to happen that way. Yeah, true, think. true. Yeah. I was fascinated by what the, what um, uh, I think it was Hugh that was saying at the start there, that, you know, moral panic uh, creates visibility, gets people talking, and then more people go, oh, actually, I sort of feel I might fit in with that category. It's almost, you know, through history, whenever there's been these uh, campaigns of moral panic, it's almost backfired in that more people have sort of um, realised where they fit in in terms of sexuality. Yes. Yeah, there was that case of the gay dentist during the AIDS epidemic, the gay dentist in the USA, and um, a small number of his patients got infected and they were... um, postulating it was never proven but they were postulating that he had intentionally infected his patients Mm. Mm. maybe there's a true true crime podcast in that one yes i wonder if he's in the book coming up on joy 94.9 we ask ben and lou who their favorite bad gays are of all time this is world wide wave for all voices this is joy hello australia this is norm apple and And Tom. From Apple Models in Thailand, the world's first transgender model division on Joy 94.9. You're on the show that takes you around the globe one queer story at a time, Worldwide Wave. A special hello to everybody listening to us on podcast. You can subscribe to receive our podcasts automatically either at joy.org.au forward slash Worldwide Wave or on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave us a review. 
Now, I just want to give a shout out to the great Joy crew that uh, went up to Sydney to uh, bring us World Pride, uh, Sydney World Pride. Sydney did a great job. I have tipped my hat to them. Um, but also the Joy team did a great job covering uh, the Mardi Gras parade with the viewing party here in Melbourne, as well as interviews up in Sydney. Uh, the Harbour Bridge walk uh, on Sunday where 50,000 people did a pride walk across Harbour Bridge, which is very special. Looked amazing. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, also the Human Rights Conference, which I was at uh, with a couple of other people as well. So mm. we'll be bringing you some of that um, uh, audio and some of the interviews and things uh, over the coming weeks. And, of course, pride season's not over because here in Victoria, this coming weekend, we have the Chill Out Festival up at Dalesford. Yes, which is always really exciting, and there is so much on there when you see the booklet. It's actually the biggest uh, regional pride festival in Australia. So um, uh, Joy will be there. We'll be there at Carnival Day on Sunday and broadcasting live here into uh, into the Joy Network as well. So we would uh, love you to tune in and be a part of all the fun. In every country, masculinity here is, is a highly valued prize. And every corner of the world, I'm fighting for rights of LGBT people in Nigeria. Breaking news and current issues. The LGBT community has definitely pulled together here in Orlando. Mixed with stories of everyday people. I'm a gay man. All with one thing in common. They're part of the world's diverse LGBTIQ community. Speaking from Ukraine. Mongolia. In Malaysia. Speaking from France. In South Africa. Every week we bring you stories of the rainbow community across the globe. This is Worldwide Wave. We're speaking tonight with the authors of the book Bad Gays, A Homosexual History, about some of the evil people who happen to be gay and some gay people who weren't good at being gay. The book moves from Roman times to current day, questioning how queer identity has influenced these characters and vice versa, how they have influenced queer identity. We asked both authors, Ben first, who their favourite bad gay is and why. We already mentioned Roger Casement, that uh, Irish anti-colonial activist. I will suggest anyone who's listening should look him up because he's one of these historical hotties who it's not just one picture. He was <laughs> fine his whole life through. Um, but another person who's not in the book, but who is on the show, who we just had a lot of fun talking about was this eccentric kind of maybe non-binary, maybe trans mask British noble aristocrat from the early 20th century who was a race car racer and then a speedboat racer and then ended up retiring to rule over a small private island in the Bahamas with their lifelong companion who was a one foot tall leather doll named Lord Todd Wadley. <laughs> this is Joe Carstairs and it was a real it was a real fun episode to research and, and to write. For me, I think one of my favorite subjects who we cover in the book is uh, Yukio Mishima, who was um, an absolutely fascinating um, mass of contradictions and and ideas. He was a Japanese poet and writer in the middle part of the 20th century who um, had this very, very complicated relationship both with his own body. He sort of had very strong masochistic impulses that he were a great source of strength for him. He sort of understood himself through the pain that he wanted to experience through bodily transformation. He was really into bodybuilding and then through his own very complicated relationship with um, Japan, Japanese culture and history and, and religion who went from writing these um, actually very interesting, quite beautiful books, including one which is a sort of putative um, autobiography named um, Confessions of a Mask, to starting his own neo-fascist uh, militia 
and launching a coup against the Japanese states, which he saw as occupied by the Americans at the time, in order to restore the emperor to his proper role as a, as a godhead figure for the Japanese people. Um, a coup that he sort of knew was destined to fail and really seems to have actually been kind of an excuse for this him to undergo this process, which would lead to his own ritual suicide following the failure of the coup. Um, just a completely fascinating, uh, complicated, uh, difficult man. And from all the bad guys that you have investigated and continue to investigate, what's your biggest learning or takeout that uh, you've found? I think for me, it's the degree to which all of these different forms of social change, whatever we think they are, whether they are advances in civil rights, whether they are changes in the way that people identify themselves, that all of those things are always, well, I think when we write about them or read about them in histories, we read about them as these kind of sea changes, right? As though in Sometime in the in the late 19th century, all of these people suddenly woke up and collectively realized they were homosexual in this sort of overnight moment. And in fact, that these changes, whether they're good or they're bad, whether they're backlashes or, or freedom dreams, they're always incomplete. And there's always people kind of on all sides of that shift at any given moment. And the conversations between them are often the most interesting in terms of figuring out how people are making sense of who they are at any given moment. For me, I guess the thing I've learned most through the process of of, of the show and, and the book is really reinterpreting how I approach these figures in history and what the point is of reading and talking about them. And um, with each passing episode, I feel like I move further and further away from any sort of position of judgment to a position of contextualization. That within all these people, even the worst, there are some fascinating interesting and even identifiable characteristics at times, even if that's just um, the way people express their desire. And in, even in some of the best, there are, you know, the, the Roger Casements of the world, there's still complications in the way that, for example, he treated people ethically, that he understood people uh, and their race in relationship to his own sexuality. And that my interest in them has just become more and more an issue of understanding of, of the more we learn, the more we can understand, the more complex the world becomes. And the more tools that we have for understanding our own own time and the, the more I do, the less I want to judge any of them. I think the real um, benefit of reading and talking about these complicated figures is to understand them in their context and the lessons they have for us rather than to take any binary position of good or bad. And the more you do, the more you get people talking, which is also a good thing. Mm. The book is Bad Gays, A Homosexual History. The authors, Ben Miller and Hugh Lemmy, thank you so much for joining us on World Wide Wave. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us. Fascinating book, fascinating stories. Uh, the book's available from Hares and Hyenas here at the Victorian Pride Centre, uh, the bookshop in Sydney, and we've just posted a link on our Facebook page as well, uh, Bad Gays. There, there is a lot of interest in bad, isn't there? They, they sort of made the point there that, you know, if they only did true crime podcasts, they'd, they'd get lots more people and true crime seems to be a, you know, is that just the flavour of the day? But we as humans are interested in the bad in our society. Yeah, it's been the flavour of the day for decades and decades. I mean, look at Agatha Christie, you know, started in the 20s and people are still just as interested in crime. And as you say, true crime over these last couple of decades has become really um, popular, which I find bizarre. I don't want to know things, horrible (laughs) things that have happened. I'd rather stay blissfully ignorant. Um, I also find um, politicians, so they mentioned um, Pim... Fortune, who is the the far right um, gay, openly gay politician in the Netherlands, um, 
But there are lots of stories of gay politicians who work against the LGBT community. Um, I wonder if they. Sh- I wonder if there should be more uh, critique of them and their stories and why they're doing it. Yes, that would be very interesting to get into their psyches. They've obviously got some huge hang-ups that they need to deal with. Mm. And and always remembering that, you know, homosexuality as a, you know, as a concept is really a 19th century concept um, prior to that. Throughout the years, um, whilst there hasn't been a name for homosexuality, there have been times when it's been completely okay for guys to be with guys and girls to be with girls and, and vice versa. And these ebbs and flows through history, you know, it's not all one. It's not black and white. Mm, Complex, I think the boys were saying. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen live or on demand from wherever you are in the world. Stream us live on joy.org.au or subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform to World Wide Wave. Hi, this is Patrick Smith, International Mr. Leather on World Wide Wave. Receive LGBT news from around the world throughout the week. Like World Wide Wave on Facebook now. A huge thank you to our guests tonight, Ben Miller and Hugh Lemmy, authors of the book Bad Gays, A Homosexual History. You can find it at Hares and Hyenas in Melbourne, the bookshop in Sydney, or your favourite online bookstore. And don't forget, they've got a podcast as well called Bad Gays. You can find that on your favourite podcast platform. And thanks to everybody who has left us a message on Facebook this week. Kevin, Liz, Richard, and a whole heap more. It's W3Joy on Facebook. And we've got a wonderful behind-the-scenes team, our podcaster Peter and social media master Dean, who uh, keep us uh, all together and pushing out the news each week. And we'll be back next week with more World Wide Wave. Thanks for listening to another podcast from World Wide Wave, the show that takes you around the globe one country at a time. World Wide Wave is the international news and current affairs show on Australia's LGBT radio station Joy 94.9. You can listen live every Tuesday night on 94.9 FM in Melbourne and online at joy.org.au. You'll find all our podcasts at joy.org.au slash worldwidewave or follow us on Facebook for the latest international LGBT news. Search W3Joy on Facebook now. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.